If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Today on the show, you want talk tech and tequila? We think we can pull some strings. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and universes behind some of our favorite video games. I'm Caleb. And I'm Bavia. And today we are talking about one of my personal favorite games, probably of all time. Mm -hmm. Like, I am I know I say that a lot when you and I talk about games, and it's because it's really easy for me to love games and have them in my favorites, but like, honestly, Red Strings Club, which is what we're talking about today... I struggled to think of a game that just on a narrative level that I love how like rich and deep it is more. So let's dive into the meat of the game. What did you think about it? Like, what do you think this game is all about? I think it's heavily implied in the title. I think the the entire premise of the game is that the main character is using his... I guess, powers and abilities as a bartender mm-hmm. to influence the people around him, or as he describes it, pulling on the red strings of fate. Mm-hmm. I think ultimately, as the game kind of unfolds and the plot and the story with it unfolds in front of you, it starts to explore these themes of fate and manipulation, and then even the classic cyberpunk theme of individualism versus collectivism. But more so than other similar cyberpunk stories, it explores it on multiple different parallel levels, which is to say on the on an interpersonal level, on a corporate level, which you're kind of used to from cyberpunk as a genre, right. and as a societal level. It really does go into this individualism versus collectivism debate. We will get into it, but the classic liberty versus this corporate group thought control vibe is something that we've seen in a lot of cyberpunk games time and time again let's get back into it with where the game starts off and that's with donovan and brandy's and their incredible social engineering whether it be on the phone or in a bar so quick background aspect of this that like i'm assuming most of you have played or at least heard of the game if you've made it this far into an episode already about it but the the premise of the red strings club as a game is that you play a bartender and you're influencing the story around you and influencing the events of the story um not just based off of your visual novel style options that you choose but also what drinks you get people so you can get make people sad drunk or happy drunk and pulling on their strings pulling on their um different aspects of who they are and choosing which one you want to invoke when you ask different questions choosing which mood to talk to people in and really trying to puzzle together what they're hiding and having them let off more information than they let on, or on the contrary, 
your choices, allowing them to be more closed off, it really does allow you to understand the real consequences of your actions. In some cases, you can make people challenge their own beliefs, or in others, you can make them so happy to the point where they just start spilling this life story to you. And because they talked so much, you're able to spoof them later in the game. And it's really the choices you make early on that really come back to these different paths these stories take it in some sort of organized chaos way. Going back into the lore of the game itself, it um it really is about the main character explores the world around him through the interpersonal levers that he has. And that's what this game is. It's about exploring the world through this one set of levers, this one very, very specific set of levers. And I think that's what this key element is and how it kind of ties into the most basic interactions that Donovan has. And even the most basic interactions that Brandy has is the idea that they are socially engineering the people around them with these very small interpersonal actions of making them a different drink or asking a question in a slightly more pointed way. And as the story is going on in this whole individualistic versus collectivistic aspect, it makes both of them out to be very individualistic on a basic level. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So actually, let's talk about that for a second. What does it mean for someone to be individualistic versus collectivistic, right? Um, If you're in the United States in 2020, typically, you've probably come across these conversations about rights about liberties, about people wanting to do the things they want, and about people uh, not letting certain political figures or certain beliefs dictate the things that they want to do, right? Whether it be for themselves or the people they care about. Their decisions is theirs and theirs alone, and they have a personal responsibility to themselves. That is what individualism technically means, right? And I think Donovan really sort of exemplifies this by his thoughts on social psyche welfare, and the mirror neuron algorithm, this heralded solution to all mental health problems ever, and this solution to making people the best version of themselves they can be. And why wouldn't you want to live in a world where everyone is the best version of themselves? And he is like, well, we should have that choice and we should be able to opt in and we should be able to make that call for ourselves. If you want to brain mod yourself, by all means, go for it. But it's not for me. And that's the reason I personally don't have any brain mods. That's that's Donovan's personality in a nutshell. And and you compare that to collectivism, which is all about doing things for the better of society, you know, being very polite to other people and sort of helping other people out just for the sake of having some karmic justice in the world. And we see this being exemplified with supercontinent, right? And social psych welfare. And in many cases, the mirror neuron algorithm. I think that when we're talking about the supercontinent and the mirror neuron algorithm, like there are intentional parallels the game tries to draw or tries to think about when it explores both of them between the actions Donovan takes and the action supercontinent takes, which real quick to give an understanding of um, supercontinent's actions and what the mirror neuron algorithm and the social psyche welfare, social psych welfare are. Mm-hmm. As the story goes on, you're learning that a massive corporation called Supercontinent is planning to roll out a product called Social Psyche Welfare, which is 
to make the very complicated aspect of what it does um, very simple. It's effectively an antidepressant-like effect that's going to affect anyone who has a um, technological implant. Yeah, it's a brain mod. It's a brain optimizer. And the flip side of that is that the mirror neuron algorithm is a method of influencing people who don't have technological implants using people who have technological implants, intentionally bringing about situations where the collective antidepressants and the collective movements and interactions that people have are kind of contagiously brought to even the people who aren't being outright given the social psych welfare. And right. so ob obviously like we can like we don't have time in this episode to go into the really 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 complicated moral question of that entire thing because the game spent 4 hours trying to ask that question and still didn't have a conclusive answer. But at the same time, it does draw a really interesting parallel to the the very, very similar tactics that Donovan and Brandy use mm -hmm. in the story, where they use the tools around them. They use alcohol to uh, affect the emotions of the people around them, and they use their own um, social engineering skills to bring them that. And I think... The game does draw a really interesting parallel between them, but at the same time, I do think that the approaches to both of those are different. So Donovan and Brandy's social engineering is still individualistic in the sense that it's built around the idea that the people they're interacting with have consented to the interaction. They... Right. When you enter a club, you kind of know what you're signing up for. Everybody knows Donovan as the best bartender in the city. And Donovan even says, you know, hey, like we paint information and I warn you, you might let go of a lot more information than you initially thought. At no point in the story does Donovan ever really interact with people who didn't choose to reach out to interact with him. Mm -hmm. There is there is no one who walks into the bar throughout the entire story that it isn't by their own choice. And so as a, as a result, that's where I personally don't think that Donovan's actions um, correlate very well to supercontinents. But again, it's the individualism versus collectivism. Is Donovan in the right for giving the power to the individual, even if it's at the expense of um, what he thinks could be the greater good or what other people think is the greater good? Or is supercontinent the ones that are in the wrong and it's it's personal liberty that's going to take precedent i totally get where you're coming from mm -hmm. and yeah. so and so we've set up this this conflict right on one hand donovis and brandies they're definitely appealing to these individual beliefs of liberty and justice and supercontinent is appealing to this collectivist ideal of everyone being on the same page so we can move forward as a society but where things get really interesting in the Red Strings Club is this wonderful, cute little robot named Akara184. Do you want to tell me about her? The whole thing with Akara, with how she works or how she's introduced, is that the Akara series of androids is allegedly the first group of androids or the first class of androids that's capable of making ethical decisions, in air quotes. And one of the major inciting plot points of the game is 
one wanders into the bar. Yeah, and these Akara androids, they are touted to do anything from being able to help in counseling or to install biomods in people to make them act better or worse in different ways per the clients. And now we have an opportunity to really interact with one when Akara finally meets Donovan. Exactly. And so the end plot twist at the end of this whole road, however, Mm -hmm. is that the Akara androids, it turns out, have actually been manipulating the world around them for a lot longer than they had initially let on. That this wasn't an android that's been invented in the last couple of years. This is a super intelligent AI that has been around for, they don't establish whether it's uh, decades or centuries, but a very, very ridiculously long time that's been exploring humanity through the internet and with it kind of exploring culture and um, experimenting with different directions on how to inspire and control humanity through the ideas that it gives them. And how super powerful are we talking? Well, Akara allegedly had influenced a very prominent doctor named Dr. Coldstream to even create her or come across the idea of wanting to create a super powerful AI. And she manipulated Supercontinent, this big corporation, to even hire Edgar. And she even taught Supercontinent's secret CEO on how she wanted to be presented to the public. So a lot of these strings that were being pulled had been being pulled far before the events of the actual game. It isn't even that she manipulated Supercontinent's secret CEO. She was the one who created the secret CEO idea to begin with. And so Akara had been manipulating from behind the strings this entire time. However, the whole idea behind the mirror neuron algorithm and how social psyche welfare was going to get used was different than how she had originally intended. And that's part of what she wanted to explore. And that's part of what the entire game is about, is it's about, on the one hand, this conflict between the individualistic approaches of Donovan and Brandy to the collectivistic approaches of supercontinent and uh, um, social psych welfare. But then on a final, like, philosophical societal level, it comes down to Akara and technology, the fact that she herself has been balancing or trying to learn how to balance the individualistic and collectivistic aspects of this the entire time. And so I think the temptation is to ultimately say that if Donovan is 100% individualistic and Supercontinent is 100% collectivistic, the temptation is to call Akara 50% individualistic and 50% collectivistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I personally would almost say that Akara qualifies more as 500% individualistic and 500% collectivistic. Like very hyperbolic in different ways. Yeah, I get that. Very, very hyperbolic in different ways. Mm-hmm. And let's kind of talk about the decisions that she made to really assign those labels both to her, right? So she mentions that she, in fact, values the chaotic nature of humans and that no matter what, that these humans always surprise her. When she met Donovan, she titled him as an anomaly, that he acted of his own accord and sort of pulling these strings in his own ways. And she paralleled that to what she was doing. And she was thinking that even though we have such different radically different ideals, I dare say, 
that the methods of sort of bringing them to light were very almost scarily the same. And developing something like social psych welfare, on the other hand, is very much trying to do something for the quote unquote benefit of society and being in a society that is the best it can be. So she is very much valuing both and almost presenting both options to the player on a silver platter and asking us, which one do we prefer more? Which is interesting because I think you and I have come across even even differing beliefs when we've played this. I actually think social psych welfare would be interesting to try out. Yeah, I think the my opinion of social psych welfare, and again, we're not doing the four-hour episode. <sighs> Stop trying to drag me into the four-hour episode. All right. <laughs> but play the four-hour episode bar game. <laughs> anyway, but the... um. My ultimate thought on social psych welfare is that it would be great if we can make antidepressants available to anyone who needs them. Mm -hmm. I think we run into a different situation when we start putting antidepressants into all of the tap water. I I, I think I'd agree with that. <laughs> and I think, like, ultimately when it... Dialing back to, not necessarily to our own beliefs, but to whether Akara is more ultimately individualistic or collectivistic in this whole in the cyberpunk debate that we always see in these types of stories i think the sheer extent to which she as a character or her ideals as a theme don't fit into either mold is uh, fascinating and it's an excellent example of a thematically rich genre stepping itself up and exploring the same theme that it's already known for exploring on this fascinating additional level. If anything, it illustrates that we sure will have a lot more to talk about. And that's the end of our episode. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go rate and write a comment for us on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. Also, check us out on Twitter and Instagram at whore underscore party. And check out our archive of previous episodes at whoreparty.com.